The Vampire Movie Minute podcast covers vampire movies five minutes at a time. Join Dr. Chris and Scott as we talk about the ins and outs and intricacies, as well as the fine little details that you might have missed in some of your favorite vampire movies. From The Lost Boys, The Life Force, Once Bitten, Vampire Hunter D, What We Do in the Shadows, Dracula 79, Blade, My Best Friend is a Vampire, Interview with the Vampire, and so many more. Episodes come out bi-weekly, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. We've had various celebrities on for various vampire movies that we have covered. Join us as part of the Movie by Minutes Network on the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast and learn some details about your favorite creatures of the night. Spider-Man. 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 Does whatever a spider can. can. Spins a web. web Any size. size. Catches thieves. Just like flies. flies. Hey, up. There goes a Spider-Man. All right. That's the Spider-Man theme song. sorry, (laughs) everybody. Welcome to the Spidey Dude Radio Network, a brand new show that's going to be kind of a limited series, but ongoing when they make more films. This is a show that's going to be dedicated to the music of the Spider-Man movies. Now, will we include Miles Morales' films as well? Possibly. Will we include terrible Spider-Man movies like Venom, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, Morbius, and the upcoming Kraven the Hunter movies? Possibly, but we have more than enough Spider-Man movies with Spider-Man in the films. That we don't need to get to terrible Sony films without Spider-Man in them, because what is ever happening in Sony's uh, hierarchy to keep doing that? Nobody, there is nobody that wants those films. They want Spider-Man movies. But I digress. We're not here to review films that Sony has done terrible things to. Uh, We're here to talk about how most of the music in the Spider-Man films, in my opinion, is pretty good. We will have difference of opinions coming up with certain films. Uh, but uh, I am your host, Dr. Chris. I host the Spider-tacular Sal Basema era podcast on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. And joining me is composer, composer Lito Velasco. Hello. How are you doing? And Lito is a big fan of at least the first three films of Danny Elfman, as I am. Well, the first two films, and then we'll get to the third one and the story behind why Danny didn't do that one. Yes. Um, which is funny because he a came... good, It's a good story. It's a good story. I heard that they didn't get along, but it's very funny that Danny Elfman would come back to do Doctor Strange, so... Yes, yeah. <laughs> but we're here to talk about the 2002 Spider-Man The Motion Picture, Spider-Man The Movie, however it was called. Now, there was another movie of Spider-Man's in theaters prior to this. They stuck the 70s shows... Um, two-hour episodes in theaters in certain countries. The Amazing yep. Spider-Man, uh, The Chinese Web, I think it was called, and The Deadly Dust. Yep. Yeah, and I think in one country, I think one of them was called like Spider-Man Strikes Back or something like that, which yes. I just thought was a very odd title for a, for a hero, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, Spider-Man was getting his revenge on J. Jonah Jameson, I guess. <laughs> We're never going to cover the music in that show, but I will play this clip because I think the opening of that show sounds pretty awesome. (laughs) 70s poor music. (laughs) 
All right, that's all I could take of that. <laughs> but in my opinion, one of the best fight scenes in every of, 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 of one of the best, I didn't say it's the best, but one of the best fight scenes of any Spider-Man movie ever comes from this show. Do you know what it is? Wait, the are you talking about the 1978 show? Yeah. Are you talking about the one where he has to fight the three dudes with uh, the sticks bound together all at the same time? Right, and the and guy gives him the order to kill him, and he just jumps to the ceiling, and they all look up at him like, oh my god, what yeah. is this? Yeah. I love that whole scene, because they speed it up, and he takes him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, if you if you watch that scene carefully... One of the guys at some point hits Spider-Man on the toe, with, and Spider-Man's actually like, "Ow!" He like grabs his foot, and I'm like, "That wait, that doesn't make any sense. He has like super strength. That wouldn't hurt him." Right. Um, but the music in that entire show is just the worst sometimes, and I'm not even <laughs> gonna get into the Japanese show because I haven't watched it enough. Uh, Canon Films tried to do a Spider-Man movie in the 80s or whatever, which we could play the trailer for one time. In fact, I actually knew the writer of that movie for a long time, and fortunately he passed away in the year uh, uh, 2021, I believe. Uh, but he peace. was supposed to come on the show and talk about his Spider-Man script, which is before oh, wow. James Cameron took a crack at it, by the way. Right. So, God rest his soul. But we're here to right. talk about the 2002 Spider-Man movie, which broke all the box office records. Which, when you think about how much movie money that movie made the opening weekend, when like a film today, like Guardians of the Galaxy or the Fast and Furious movies or whatever, would have an opening weekend very similar to it, it's very funny to think about. Like 130 million dollars opening weekend in 2002 was yeah was something unprecedented, <laughs> unheard of. Well, I think it was the first film to cross 100 million at the box office in its opening weekend. Right. If I'm not mistaken. So like that that's a huge game changer right there. Right. You know? And we're going to divide this podcast up into the both the soundtrack and the score and try to give as much time to both as we can. Stomach. Cool. I can stomach all of Elfman's music. <laughs> I can't stomach half the soundtrack of the Spider-Man movie. Sorry, all but we'll get there. I don't all I'll say is I don't blame you. If you want to hear about a review about the film, there's plenty of them out there, but there's not enough reviews about the music, so I thought the music warranted its own podcast, as will the other Spider films, the the, the amazing films and the MCU films, and then the cartoons. Yep. I like, I like that thinking. Yep. Um, now, I have two versions of the soundtrack. Sorry, I'm sorry. The score. I have one version of the soundtrack. I have two versions of the score. I recently purchased from La La Land Records, I believe that is correct, La La Land Records, yes, La La Land mm -hmm. Records, the 20th anniversary score that came out last year, because last year was the, 21st, the 20th anniversary of this movie, and there is the original score, which is also included on the 20th anniversary, so I actually don't need the second copy, because you do get that other copy if you want a condensed version of the score, and then you get the super extended version over four CDs, three CDs, excuse me. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a really nice presentation that they did. And I think they do that with a lot of the releases, too. If they're able to assemble the original soundtrack album, they often will release that on the same, you know, release as a, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a, you know, nostalgia thing or just because collectors are completists or what, but they do it. Now, I, as far as I'm aware, and I don't know all of La La Land's catalog, and I'm not going to go to their website and go through it all, this is the only Marvel film they have, but they have all the DC scores to everything DC related. Yeah, they have the Batman stuff for sure. I remember they when they put out the anniversary edition of the complete Elfman Batman, that was a really big deal for a lot of people like us. Yeah, and they have all the Superman films under Christopher Reeve, 
um, and, yep. and glorious extra discs too. So despite what you think about three and four, I think the music is fantastic sometimes. Um, I want yes. a Superman Returns score done the same way because I think the score is amazing in that movie. Um, yeah. And uh, Supergirl. I would love a Supergirl release as well because, again, despite how, whatever you think about the movie, I think the score is pretty good. Well, I think it's it's Goldsmith, so. Oh, excellent, excellent. So anyway, yeah. this is um the this is three discs of 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 old material and new material plus that other disc that we got in two thousand two when you picked up compact disc CDs. Yep. And um right in the beginning, Elfman's score I think for the first track, um. Really gave us the Spider-Man Superman score. Oh. I got what you're saying. You're talking about like the the main title, the impact of the main title on the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great it's a great opening title for sure. It's so it it engages you right from the beginning. Yeah. It's got a little bit of intrigue to start and then when it starts kicking in, the percussion starts kicking in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this film on opening day and I just I remember hearing that music and being like we are in for a ride. Mhm. And here's a little bit of it right now. You get that Fine little. And very different than his Batman score. Yes. Well, it necessitated it to be. Right. And I definitely think that this score got better in the second film. And we'll get there when we get to the second film. But this, yes. like, this beating of the drums, or what? what is that What is that sound you hear that... What music you know, is that? It's interesting because uh, I'm not even exactly sure what it is. It sounds to me almost like it's some sort of synthesized woodblock or something. It's the same on the first two films, and then when, on the third film, they, they tried to replicate it, and it doesn't sound quite the same. So I've always been intrigued to, to try and find out what exactly that is. Gotcha. And then it, I'll have it, to ask Chris when I when I talk to him again. I'll say, you know, what was that? So the discs are also labeled too. I just saw this in the very back of the uh, the little the little book that comes with this. Um, disc one is original score album. So that's uh, main titles, transformation, costume montage, revenge, first web, something different, city montage, alone, parade attack, specter on the gob, uh, specter of go- of the goblin, revelations, getting through, final confrontation, farewell, and end credits. Then it says mm. uh, 45 minutes of music. Then we have bonus tracks, main title, and farewell album versions. Um, on mm. disc two, we have main titles, On the Bus, Spider Bite, Transformations, New Man, Something Different, First Web, New Powers, Web Slinger, Backyard Connections, Costume Montage, Harsh Words, Revenge, <laughs> Edge of the Goblin, Alone, City Montage, Moon Dance, Photography, City Strains, Norman Gets the Boot, Spider Sense, Paradox, 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 Parade Attack, Spectre of the Goblin, Roof Chat, Hint, Trouble, Kiss, Fire, Drop of Blood, uh, Disc 3, The Cure, The Clue, excuse me, Norman's Trouble, The Revelation, Getting Through, film version, Father and Son, Danger on the Bridge, To the Rescue, Final Confrontation, Farewell, and End Credits. Phew. Yeah, which I, I think felt, makes I up... I felt like I was listening to Ace Ventura do one of his... <gasps> you know, the, when he takes a deep breath and goes through the whole thing. <laughs> Well done, bravo. But then we have additional music. New Powers, Backyard, Costume Montage, Revenge, <laughs> Parade Attack, Spectre of the Goblin. Now these are, by the way, uh, just me repeating myself, but they're alternate versions of those mu- of yep. that music. And you would yeah. have to be like 
a superior music person to really be like, okay, do you hear the cue here? It's kind of different when the cue here. So in the scene where Spider-Man's flipping around the city and doing the thing or whatever, knows how the cue and the music... We don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I could walk it, I could walk us through it, but uh, that's going to take a really long time. It's an incredible amount of like material on these discs for this score. Yeah, um, yeah La La Land does great, great, great work. Now, I do remember on the bus having kind of like a chipper, like, you know, upbeat kind of melody to it versus like the spider bite and the transformation when it's in his mm-hmm. like dream sequence mind. And the transformation kind of reminds me of what we'll see in the third film with a certain alien ooze as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, very similar. Well, Ra- you know, Raimi's distinctive visual style. Right. Or his comedic style when Peter's learning how to use his powers and crashing into things. Yeah, yeah. You know, web. Slapstick. Go, web. Go, web, go. Shazam. (laughs) You know, things like that. Or the death of Uncle Ben gets really, like, melodramatic and very sad, and the chase with the burglar, or the cards, the the burglar in the comics. Um, And then him coming home to Aunt May to tell her what happened, which is really sad as well. And then him, you know, trying to figure out what is he going to do, and, like, you know, like the, 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 the graduation scene, you know what I mean? It's not your typical graduation music, but he comes back to his house and Aunt May realizes, you know, he, you know, Uncle Ben shouldn't be here, but he's not. And that's when he, you know, hears those echoing words or whatever. With great power comes great responsibility. And you get that kind of like in the Superman movies where something about to happen for Superman. You get that, that just little snippet. The wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think anytime you're, Seeing something in the original Spider-Man film where Peter's, you know, contemplating that that responsibility of being Spider-Man or he's thinking about Uncle Ben or whatever. There's actually a, one of his themes in the film is referred to by Elfman as the Uncle Ben theme. Oh, yes. And it's the yeah, it's the one that goes. And what's funny about that theme and I. You know, I, I obviously would never say this to Danny Elfman, but the second part of that theme goes, bum, 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 bum. and if you listen to it, it sounds a lot like Leonard Bernstein's uh, Somewhere from West Side Story. And I wondered if that was purposeful because, you know, they're both New York stories, they're both tragic stories, and I was like, I wonder if that's if he did that on purpose because it sounds a lot like it. But, uh, yeah, the, the, every time Peter has an introspective moment, we get that great kind of noble, you know, elegy kind of theme that he uses that's just, it works so well in the film. He did such a great job with that. Now, do you know anything about the uh, the symphony that made this uh, the, that made this score? Because I don't. I, I definitely have to look it up on, online because I don't, I, I, unless you say the London Symphony Orchestra, and I'll name 10 films they've done, I won't know many others. <laughs> No, I don't think it it was recorded in Los Angeles if I'm not mistaken. If if I remember correctly, I'm pulling out my copy of the CD to check. I think the La La Land release has in the very back of it it lists all the instruments who were or the uh, sorry, it lists all the instrumentalists who performed on the score. Yeah, it's on the second to last page. Um so all I know is these are LA you know, union uh, musicians that were hired to play on the score, like uh, Emil Radocia and and people like that. Those are guys that play on, you know, basically everything that's been made in Hollywood for like the last 30, 40 years. Well, the orchestra started back in the 1950s on some films I'm not very familiar with, but the first film that they did with Henry Mancini 
uh, was Breakfast mm. at Tiffany's. And the last thing they did, according to Wikipedia, which is very strange, is Tenet in 2020. And I can't believe they haven't worked since 2020. Oh, that that can't be the case. Right. There's no way. But they did work with John Williams on the last three Star Wars films. Yes. Yeah, he's he used to like doing London, but I remember when he said, he was like, I can't go to London back and forth all the time at my age. That was kind of a big deal when that changed because everyone was kind of like, uh, what, what, what's, what's happening? Like it, it really threw a lot of people. But, you know, the players in Los Angeles, in my opinion, are just as good. And in some ways, some people will hate me for saying this. I think some of them are actually superior. Mm, fighting words. Yeah, I know that those are fighting <laughs> words for some people, but <laughs> well, I do think some some of them are. So they've also worked with uh, Marco Beltrami and uh, mm-hmm. Brian Taylor, uh, Michael Giacano, who uh, recently uh, started his uh, career as a director as well, directing Werewolf by Night last year. Um, yeah. Henry Jackman, John Powell, Hans Zimmerman, um, ja, Brian, I already said Brian Taylor, Alan Silvestri um, on G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Not a great film. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we love Alan Silvestri because he did a we lot do. of MCU stuff. Uh, as among other things that he's ever done, but let's just stick it, keep it to, to comic books for now. Uh, let's see how far back in history they go that I recognize. Jerry Go- Jerry Goldsmith, um, uh, Randy Edelman, Bill Conti, uh, still the seventies, and uh, otherwise it's a lot of Jerry Goldsmith on a lot of the Planet of the Apes movies. So different people too, by the way. But this is the organization, um, and 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 obviously I'm sure there's nobody that's composing with any of these people. Uh, from the 50s and 60s still around today. I mean, there might be. I mean, for all I know, John Williams is well, still around. He's 92 John, years old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Night Court, by the way. They worked at Night Court with him and Jaws. Huh. Yeah, which I thought Jaws was London Symphony Orchestra. No, Jaws was nope. Jaws was the Hollywood Symphony Orchestra. Star Wars was the London Symphony Orchestra. Yep. So, uh, and but, Superman also, I think, was done in London, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Superman was done in London, as was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. What's weird? Close Encounters. I thought that was London. No, that was this. That, that was this orchestra. That's that's so funny to think about. Uh, back to the music. Less about the orchestra and the other films yes. that they worked on. Um, I want to say something, and it's not insulting to Danny Elfman. There's a scene mm. in Family Guy where after John Williams is killed by uh, the oh, uh, yeah. by the stormtroopers, <laughs> Pete, uh, Chris as Luke Skywalker says, "Now we got to finish this thing with Danny Elfman," and then he yeah. starts playing, <laughs> and he chops his head off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do I think that they made that joke? Yes. <laughs> because I think <laughs> I think Danny's an easy target. He has a you know his style is very distinctive, especially in his earlier stuff. I'm sorry, but um, John Williams did not give us no weird science. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yes. But I think I mean I think it's done with. Love. I think Seth MacFarlane appreciates the hell out of Danny Elfman as well. I think it's just he knew that. I, if I had to guess, I think he would think that Danny would find it funny as well. Now, let me read a little piece from this uh, booklet. I'm not going to read this whole thing because that's just crazy. Elfman's yeah. craftsmanship shows through in his application of the score's romantic music and his ability to switch back and forth between the gentle uh, material for Peter and his relationship with MJ and his furiously per, uh, percussive and violent. Uh, action music, perfect for the collision of the classic comic book hero and his most infamous opponent. Uh, his romantic music evolves seemingly out of the gentle music for piano, flute, and strings that characterize Peter as he fumbles his way onto a school bus 
And on the bus. And it evolves. The music reflects Peter's youth and innocence backyard connection, moon dance, hint, and kiss, develop the romantic material from the love music becoming more confident and getting through as Peter previously playing second and third fiddle to Harry Osborne in Spider-Man finally begins to register to MJ as a romantic prospect of his own. Now, this, of course, mm-hmm. comes out a lot in the most... One of the probably two most famous scenes in this movie is uh, the upside-down uh, wet kiss. kiss. Yes. Yeah. Which was incredibly uncomfortable for everyone who's ever talked about it on the commentary or bonus material or in interviews. Um, it yes. is. It just looked uncomfortable, too. I mean... Um, it was like five o'clock in the morning and they were both exhausted. <laughs> yeah. It would be a tough shoot regardless because he's hanging upside down the whole time and there's rain involved. And but I'm going to strike controversy on this podcast right now by saying the upside down romantic kiss music is better than the fly with me Superman poetic music with him and Chris and Margot Kidder. I'm sorry. Wow. I hate that scene to death. I hate that whole poem she recites. I'm fine with like the the back and forth on the rooftop when she's doing the interview, and that is fine too. But when they repeat it in four, I hate it then then too. I'm not sorry. I just think it's too cheesy and awful. Well, I think it's yeah. I think it was a product of its time. I mean, I think you know the treatment of if you listen to the the can the love theme from Superman on the album when it's just the orchestra playing the the John Williams orchestration, that track is absolutely stunning and it it shows that it's a beautiful theme it's just that kind of cheesy disco presentation of it just doesn't really do it any favors but you have to kind of wonder does that do justice or favors to any music (laughs) i mean unless you really like disco (laughs) that's true um out of all the tracks on this one what is your absolute favorite because going through every single track piece by piece by piece by piece by piece would be its own podcast onto itself oh yeah per section of the film and and there are movie by minute podcasts out there that have covered spider-man that have gone over the music uh in in that type of detail but we're not so what is your favorite score of the score what is your favorite track of the score of spider-man the movie it's it goes between probably three different ones. It just depends on the day, I think, my mood. I really love the track, the costume montage track. Um, there's something about the way that Elfman utilizes the themes from the film and places it with that funky bass. There's that like it's a really cool treatment of it that we don't really get throughout the rest of the film in that way. I really like that one. I really love uh, Parade Attack simply because, you know, Spider-Man has always been my favorite hero of all time. And I waited my whole life up until 2002 to see him on film. And I'll never forget, you know, sitting in the theater with my wife and my best friends sitting next to me. And when they cut to the shot of Peter swinging through the air and MJ's, you know, clinging to him and she's like looking at him in just shock. And then it turns to this kind of admiration. That music, like, it just made my heart swell. Like, I, it, it was kind of like when I was a little kid and I saw Superman in the theaters. Like, so that music really, you know, I think is super effective and, and fantastic. And then also the main titles. Like I said, I just, I'll, I think those main titles are so effective from the beginning. They get you so just intrigued. And because, it was, like you said, it was a very different kind of main title from Danny. He he definitely had shown his versatility before this, but I think people were kind of expecting from this music what they got from The Flash and Batman. 
And when it turned out to be so different, I think we were all kind of like, whoa, this is really good, but it's also so different. So it's, it's one of those three. Like I said, it just depends on the day. Um, I probably have to agree with you. I can't think of another song in there that I absolutely love more than that. I mean, the main title it, it, is by itself. The ending credits, same same music. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer a lot of times just the score to the movie, to the soundtrack, which we're about to get into, just because <laughs> of the way Danny Elfman did it, and it really did. It was incredibly uplifting. Um, yeah. I. Um, I went and saw this movie the day after it came out, because there was no Thursday release back in 2002, um, no. like there is today. The reason why there's a Thursday release and, and is because of an incident that happened at the Dark Knight Rises uh, pr- uh, premiere uh, at midnight, and this is why they do 7 o'clock, 5 o'clock showings of films nowadays, uh, because these are to get cops at, for protection for big city uh, releases of films. Yep. Um, but, Which uh, isn't that a shame to think about that? That's such a shame. Yeah. But... Totally. Uh, but, but what's shocking is this week, do you know, did you hear about this on the news? What video game had a midnight release that people lined up for, despite the fact you can just download it? I'm guessing it was the Jedi one. Oh, no, that was like two weeks ago. Uh, Legend of oh. Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, that's right. I remember seeing a blurb about that. That's yeah. right. Jedi Survivor would have been fine, too. I'm not hearing anyone talk about Jedi Survivor, which is shocking, because it's basically the same as the other game, but just better graphics because it's on PS5. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, that that score. I do love the music played during the um, any of the goblin scenes, uh, despite the mm-hmm. goblin being goofy looking and stupid. Um, and they <laughs> made it better when they finally got around to a film called No Way Home. Um, I'm sorry, the goblin is not menacing in this movie at all. It's the first time I saw that, I was like... Oh, this was such a good well, movie. You know, I was to say, you know, the reason that they had to do that. Right? I know, I know, and and yeah. I I saw the original version of it, and I was just like really hoping that was going to come back in a No Way Home, and we didn't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Um, will we ever get a Goblin done correctly? Who knows? We'll have to wait and I see. I think we will eventually. I think. It, I just, just I'm worried they're going to do like the Hulk Goblin, like in 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 Spider Verse. Oh well, I think it just depends on who the director is, their preference. Right, right, definitely. What generation are they part of? (laughs) That's what's going to determine whether we get that or not. Right, but I think they did a good job with the Goblin score a lot of times, making it menacing um, in in Eerie, you know, and and, um, in in Elfman's own kind of way, um, very similar to his Joker themes in the original Batman movie. Yeah, you know what's interesting about the Goblin theme actually is, and I was listening to the score repeatedly during the past week or so to kind of brush up on it. Cause I know it extremely well, obviously it's one of my favorite Elfman scores, but I noticed that the goblin theme and the Spider-Man theme actually kind of mirror each other in a, in, in a way in their construction, because they both have melodies that tend to go up and down a lot. Like, and I know that people will be like, well, that sounds stupid. But like, if you listen to the shape of their melodies, they almost, feel like someone flying or swinging through the sky. And I thought it was interesting that Elfman wrote both themes to kind of reflect each other that way, because the movie absolutely does that with the visuals, like when they're both transforming at the same time. And there's a lot of parallels that I think Elfman really, you know, achieved in the music as well between them, which I thought was very cool. And also it's a waltz, just like the Joker theme. It's a waltz. Yeah. 
Now, which is interesting. Switching over to the school, the uh, soundtrack. Um, right yeah. at the very beginning of the soundtrack, the first track is, by the way, the Spider-Man theme song from the TV show. From the sorry, not the TV show, the cartoon series uh, by right. Ralph Bakshi from the '60s. Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever Spider-Man can. That that's pretty cool. By the way, the Iron Man score also has that the '60s uh, really bad Marvel animation style that they did when they were just kind of cheaping out on it. Um, mm-hmm. that has Iron Man's, like, uh, old 60s theme song, too. Very cool. Yeah, and I do like the Iron Man, um, score, too, by the way. So, um, but, uh, I digress. Um, the first, <laughs> the, the first official track on here is the most overplayed music video I have seen since Kiss by a Rose from the Batman Forever soundtrack. We're not gonna get into Titanic. Um, but, yes, in terms of superhero music videos, I don't think I saw Kiss from the Rose more times than anything else until this fucking song came out. <laughs> hero by <laughs> Chad you... Kroger and Josie Scott. <laughs> yep. I'll yeah, be your hero, you know. <laughs> um, do you happen to remember what, sound, what, what song played in the trailer for Spider-Man? Are you talking about the trailer with the... Um... The Twin Towers, because that's a that's a lovely bit of trivia for this film. Maybe with the Twin Towers one, but one of the one of I think it was a full trailer had I want to take you on a roller coaster. Yes. Yes. Yep. Who is that? Nope. I'm not sure, honestly. I'm trying to find the song right now. Um, I want to take you on a roller coaster, and all I keep finding is like roller. Is it Bon Jovi? No, it's not Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi comes I... up. No, I don't. I was gonna say I don't think that. I don't think it's a Bon Jovi one. Um, I don't know. Let me uh, let me dig into that. All right, why don't you dig into that while I get into a little bit about who Chad Kroger is? So okay. Chad Kroger is a Canadian musician who is the lead singer of a band called Nickelback, and they were already incredibly popular prior to this song coming out. But this made him mm-hmm. Gonzo's amounts of money, like stupid, ridiculous amounts of like Titanic style money, uh, because this song was everywhere. And it fit the movie as cheesy as it was. I can't re-listen to it today, and I did it for this podcast. But um, <laughs> it, it's just one of the most ridiculous songs, but it fits this film. And if at the time they had taken Christopher Reeve's Superman seriously, I guarantee he would have gotten the similar kind of song. Now, what do we get every five minutes? We get I Need a Hero, every freaking movie, trailer, yeah. whatever. I mean, God, I'm sick and tired of hearing that song, too. Um, I am so high I can hear heaven. I am so high I can hear heaven. Oh, but heaven, no one, no heaven, don't hear me. And they say that a hero can save us. I'm not gonna stand here and wait. I'll hold on to the wings of the eagles. Watch as we all fly away. Someone told me that love would all all save us, but how can that be? Look what love gave us—a world full of killing and blood spilling. Wow, this sounds relevant to the day. World never came. Jeff, I does everyone remember this movie came out a year after 9/11? So Spider-Man was like what we needed from Superman. It was the American hero to be like, "Whoa, New York kicks ass! Woo! F terrorism! F bad!" guys hence the scene where they're throwing the crap at the green goblin being like you mess with new york you you mess mess with all of us us. yeah Yeah, right (laughs) hey by the way i found out what the band name is what it's a band called lunatic calm and the song is called leave you far behind okay gotcha um next we have sub 41 um with uh (laughs) where we're all about now, wasn't Sub 41 on one of the Batman? Were they really? Huh. 
That's possible. Okay. Sum 41, what we're all about. I actually do like this song more than I like the Chad Kroger song. Gotcha. Let's see if we can play a little bit. See if you can hear it. Say I couldn't hear it. Okay. That's all right. I'll take your word for it, brother. I think the Sum 41 uh, band has a bit of a uh, Beastie Boys vibe to them in terms of their lyrics. It's rock and rap. Yes. Um, but I absolutely really do like this song more than the Chad Kroger song. Um, I don't remember exactly when this is played in the movie. The Chad Kroger song is during the credits, but I don't think a lot of the songs on the soundtrack were played in the film other than Mary Jo Blige during the parade sequence when the Green Goblin attacks. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I will never forget that because I had just recently discovered um, the... What's, wait, who's the artist in, during the parade attack? Is it Mary Jo Blige? No, it's... Uh, it's uh, isn't it Macy Gray? It's Macy Gray. I'm sorry, it's yeah, Macy Gray. Yeah, because yeah, I just discovered who she was, and I like I remember looking at Jennifer and be like, oh, that's that girl whose CD you have. Um, so here's the song the lyrics from Sum 41. Nevertheless, am I dressed for the occasion? This is number 32. Now here's the situation. If the beat moves your feet, then don't change the station. Now pack your bags because we're leaving on a permanent vacation. Well, I'm a disaster. A microphone. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> but you're doing so well. I know. I know. Um, next we have Learn to Crawl. Um, by Paul Durnham. Um, that, uh, FYI, these songs have something to do with Spider-Man. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I know. Um, do you know who anything Remember about when Paul Durham? I was going to say, I, I, I don't really know anything by half of these artists except for what's on this soundtrack. And... I was just going to ask, do you remember when this used to be what they did for every single film? They would like, even if the film, if the song didn't appear in the film, if the lyrics or the title had anything close to doing anything with what the film was about, someone in marketing was like, yeah, just throw it on there. Just buy the rights. It's fine. It doesn't matter. He has two big hits, Wash It Away and Time Ago, from Black Lab's Geffen Records. Huh. Not overly familiar with this one. Um, sure. <laughs> we have Blue, um, Somebody Else, and we have Bug mm -hmm. Bites by Alien Ant Farm. Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> yes, this one I do know and I do like. Um, this is a, uh, I thought, a, uh, I thought a very uh, decent song. And, of course, again, it fits the motif of Spider-Man. Again, I don't yep. think it's in the movie itself, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, no, we did not rewatch the movie, or I didn't rewatch the movie before doing this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> just the time to do that with listening to the score and the soundtrack as much as I can was just never going to happen. Um, but, uh, again, other than like a couple songs, I don't think there's a lot of the soundtrack in the film In Spider-Man two, no. there's a key scene that we know of like raindrops falling on my head and we'll get to that. Um, mm -hmm. but there, I also think there's only like a couple music videos for it too. Um, here's a little bit of Alien Ant Farm. Now, some of this might also be being played in the background, too, that we might not even be hearing because we're paying attention to the movie. Um, there's Blind it, it by... Been, sorry, I was go ahead. Say, it might have been buried in the sound mix. Right. Uh, there's Blind by Jeremy James. Um, uh, Bother by Corey Taylor. Um, by the way, Chad Kroger is also on Blind. Uh, Shelter by Green Wheel. 
When It Started by Julian Casablanks, Hate to Say I Told You So by Randy Fitzsimmons, Invisible Man by Tyler Connolly and Chad Kroger, Fitzpeter, uh, Undercover by Pete Yorn, My Nutmeg Fantasy by Macy Gray, that's the one that's played when the goblin attacks, 146 by Injected, She's My Girl by Jenny Cantrell. I think I remember that in the movie. Um, and then the soundtrack had a few scores uh, from the score on there. They had main titles, Farewell, Theme from Spider-Man by Aerosmith, which we will get into in a second, <laughs> Like a Gunshot, Evan, and uh, du- Duena. I, don't... I was like, are you sure Are you sure you want to get into that? <laughs> I do. Um, so I don't understand why Aerosmith did the soundtrack score, the, 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 the soundtrack theme for the original Spider-Man cartoon series. And why they didn't use, until many years later, the version by the Ramones. Yeah. One, two, three, four, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah. And they used a lot of Ramones music in the Toby, the um, the the Tom Holland Spider-Man MCU trilogy. Yes. Um, but they didn't use it for this, and I was so hoping they would, because it had just come out in 1996, just four years prior to Joey Ramone passing away. So it was really the last thing they did before the the Ramones pretty much ended. Yeah, and and honestly, that's only what six years before this film came out. So you think it would have still been fresh in their minds? Right. Maybe it was a rights thing. I don't know. Yeah. Aerosmith I'm was, it was on a, a money thing. Also, don't forget, Aerosmith was coming off a huge resurgence with 1998's Armageddon. Yes. How could we forget that? I don't want to close my eyes or go to sleep, man. Again, talk about a song overplayed that I don't ever want to hear anymore. Aerosmith. Yes. Um, yeah, Spider-Man. we're not saying anything bad about the song, folks, but we just, you know, sometimes it gets played so much that you're like, I never need to hear it again. Right, ever. right. But I am going to say bad things about this version of the Spider-Man theme song because it's just, it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> you, I don't you know. Go. I don't know why it's so bad. It's so bad. I mean, it's the, it, it just doesn't sound like, Aer- it sounds like Aerosmith. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, I make you want to poke your ears out with corn cob holders. Maybe like, I'm trying to find, like, I've always been trying to find information about like, why did Steven Tyler do this? Is he a big Spider-Man fan? Um, I, I, I I really don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm betting it was honestly just like you said, they were super popular at the time and you know, the studio could throw gobs of money at them and they figured people really were back into Aerosmith. So why not? Right. Um, I mean, Aerosmith's popularity peaked in the 90s, I think. Yeah. Um, dude, dude looks like Yeah, Dude Looks Like a Lady, and the, that, you know, I Never Want to Let You Go, or whatever the name of the song was, from Armageddon. And then Crazy. Yes. was another one that was yes. played all the time. Right. All the time. Um, I, I don't know. Now, what's funny is that somebody would come from Aerosmith to write the 90s Spider-Man cartoon theme, and they should have maybe used that. But obviously they were not going to do that um, because that was right. under uh, the uh, company that was making the Power Rangers, and this was during a giant mess with Marvel's finances and rights and things like that. So we're lucky we got a Spider-Man movie made because Spider-Man's um, legal trouble wrapped him up forever. <laughs> oh God, he was tangled, like you said, he was tangled in his own legal web. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I'm Ching. <laughs> Now, she was my girl. I just want to point out, Jerry Cantrell. Is that the same Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains? Yes, it is. Something yep. I overlooked, by the way. So we have a lot of amazing legends on the soundtrack. Not all the songs, I think, 
hold up very well today. That's not because of like cancel culture or something they say in the lyrics. It just, it just no, don't think the, no. it just don't think the the music as is what it was today. Now that's not yeah. to say that a lot of early two thousand music is like that. But yes, a lot of early 2000 rock music is not great anymore today. A lot of it tried to yeah. be, what was that Christian rock band that made it really big and popular that sung like, um, they're imitated Are you by... Are about Creed? Yes, yes. I was going to yeah. say, they're imitated by Ted in the movie Ted. <laughs> Another reference to Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Earlier in the episode, if you caught our, 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 our question about Danny Elfman getting his head chopped off. <laughs> that was just Seth MacFarlane being Seth MacFarlane, everybody. You got to just let him do his thing. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, Jerry Cantrell is on this as well, and I think it's an okay song. Um, but yeah. they definitely seem to put the better songs at the beginning of the soundtrack. Now, is there ever been a soundtrack release where every song has been amazing? Man, I, the only, honestly, I would bet not. Only because, I mean, like, my first thought was. Um, soundtracks that were released by the Beatles to their films, but even as much as I love the Beatles, even some of those soundtracks have one or two tracks that are like, yeah, okay. You know, right. Or like, you know, you could say amazing. a lot of people love the Crow soundtrack, but not every song on the Crow soundtrack is great. I mean, I'm sorry, right. that Ghost Rider song is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Motorcycle Hero, it's, it, it's okay, but it just, it, it goes, it just turns into a screaming song. Well, and you're wait, like, wait, I, I just thought of one that might be a possibility. What? Purple Rain. But but that's subjective. Do people consider every song on Purple Rain to be amazing? I actually do. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh, man. You're going to hate me. I am not a Prince fan. <laughs> that's fine. That's Well, it's the funny thing is I'm not a huge I will... Prince guy except for Purple Rain. I have just thought of the perfect soundtrack because I think Go. he is the vocalist on every single score. Oh, sorry, every single song on the soundtrack. And I think it just had uh -huh. a vinyl release, Labyrinth. Oh, that's actually... Isn't that all go. David Bowie? You, don't quote me on it. It might be. Yeah. God, can you I'm imagine? I'm, I'm looking now because when you said that, I was like, oh, holy shit, that's true. Hey, here's a question for you. What MCU character, which the MCU was running pretty strong by the time Bowie passed away. Uh, we were on the eve of Civil War coming out. But mm -hmm. what soundtrack would, would David Bowie have been perfect for being part of? For an MCU film. For an MCU film? Yeah. Which, again, sad that he never worked on one, and we were deep into the MCU by the time he passed away. I was going to say, that's also kind of, it depends on which Bowie you're talking about, you know, because he, he could have fit in on a, on a handful of the MCU films, in my opinion. Mm. Um, that's, that's my take, but what are, you, what are you thinking of? Which one are you thinking of specifically? Um, I think... Something fantasy-ish, but I don't know exactly what character. Like, so maybe Thor or maybe Guardians? Yes. Like, he, he would have been great on Guardians simply because... There's no Guardian. You know. Yeah, there's no David Bowie on the Guardian soundtracks. Mm -mm. And I have no. all three. I just got the third one, which has got good stuff yeah. on it. Despite That's actually the... true. He, he would have been really good on that. Yeah, yeah. S surprising. Surprising. Now, you can find all the... All the music for this, I think, is all available on iTunes. The soundtrack's never really gone out of print as much as, like, well, the CDs may be out of print, but it, it's not hard to find. They mass-produced the hell out of that thing. Yeah. The score that I have, the 20th anniversary score, 
by the time this gets posted, it may or may not still be available. I mean, it, it sold really well. I know they went into another printing of it, but I don't know how much longer they're going to keep printing this because these La La Land records sometimes get limited release. The Superman score, the complete 40th anniversary version of that, has gone into three printings. But that's Superman yeah. by John Williams. So yep. next film we will do is Spider-Man 2, which also has a soundtrack that's not very memorable for me, but the score is more memorable to me than this film. Yeah, it is awesome. I mean, but the, that makes sense because, I mean, I, I think in my opinion and in the opinion of many, I think Spider-Man 2 is a better film. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, I also don't think Spider-Man um, score or soundtrack ever had a vinyl release. I am looking, looking, I am looking, I am looking. I do not see one. But just an he's, FYI. He's going to be looking for a while. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the MCU films all have vinyl releases. Um, yeah. I got a picture. Uh, I have a picture one for No Way Home. Uh, which I still haven't listened to. But uh, oh, just cool. the FYI, if you want the original soundtrack release, which came with a holographic little insert cover thing, it's eleven ninety nine mm. on Amazon. So that should tell you how much they mass produced this. If you print a million copies of something, guess what will never go out of um, availability? <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> just an FYI. Do you know what yeah. does have an insane high cost on it because they did not print a million copies of the soundtrack? Which Spider-Man film do you think that is? I mean, I know that they didn't even print the score to Spider-Man 3, so when you try and find that one, which I have, you end up paying an arm and a leg for it. Oh, well, but... that's good news to me because we're going to have to review that too. The Amazing Spider-Man, it's $189 for the audio CD. Holy mackerel. But the vinyl wow. is 35 bucks because it only came out it came out on Record Store Day a couple years ago. I have that. I still have the CD. Yeah. That's crazy wow. to think about. But the Amazing Spider-Man 2 is 7.99. Well, yeah, because it was Hans Zimmer, so they printed 7,800 copies of it. Oh, gotcha. And Michael Giacano, yeah. who uh is on we mentioned is on the score for um No Way Home. Yep. So all three he did all, I think he did all three of the of the MCU films, if I'm not mistaken. Don't ask me why, but if you type in Spider-Man soundtrack on Amazon, you get the Spider-Verse films at the top, which makes sense because that movie is about to come out. But for some right. reason, we get also in this listing Daft Punk and Shrek 2. Well, naturally. I mean, when you think of Spider-Man, <laughs> that's instantly where your mind goes. Is the Shrek, Shrek 2? 2. <laughs> who, it's Harry Gregson Williamson. Did he work on any Spider-Man movie? No. No. Then why? Of. Oh, maybe because Shrek 2 came out when um, Spider-Man 2 came out, right? Maybe that's the connection? Sure. Okay. I'll say that's it. <laughs> sure. So that's all the time we have here for this episode of the new podcast called Web of Music. That's what I'm calling it, and that's what we're sticking to it. Uh, Lito Velasco will be around with me for at least the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy of Tobey Maguire's run. Um, Hell yeah. Yes. Um, and then we will switch over, over to a new co-host for the uh, Hans Zimmer films and so on and so forth. Um, awesome. I would definitely love to have somebody on that is an R&B rap fan that knows something about that style of music for Miles' films as well, because I'm not knowledgeable about those artists at all. I'm sure we can, I'm sure we can, between the two of us, we can brainstorm somebody. Sure. Um, yeah. And then um, uh, after, um, after the... Uh, after we get through um, the amazing films, we'll do the MCU films, but not Infinity War, Endgame, and Civil War. We will probably give nods to the soundtracks and scores, excuse me, just because they're amazing. But Spider-Man's right. not in a lot of that, not in, barely in Endgame. 
Um, and he's in right. one scene in Civil War. He's in two scenes in Civil War. So there might be a little bit of a nod to that, you know, when when I pinpoint which score is isolated specifically for Spidey. But even when he makes his debut, he doesn't. There's, I don't think there was any music to him capturing Cap Shield. So. No, I, he didn't have his own theme that, that I know of at that point in time in the MCU. Correct. So we don't need to go no. too much into detail about those. No. Um, but um, We just can talk about what a great scene it was and, and that leave it at that. Right. And Portals, Spider-Man shows up because that's the big return of everybody. Um, so good. Yeah. So good. So good. And, and Lino has a cover of Portals too, by the way, uh, which I played yes. on Radio Par. But I digress. We'll get there when we get there. These podcasts yep. will come out once a month. You can find them on the Spidey Do Radio Network. Don't forget to check out my other show, the Sal Basama Era Podcast. If you're into comic books in general, don't uh, don't uh, don't be a stranger to my other um, po- uh, comic book podcast, Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast, which I don't cover any music on. But uh, thank you, Lido, for joining me for Spider-Man the Movie. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love it. As much as we could cover of it. This soundtrack is so big and the score is so big. We would be doing a two-hour show. Oh, easily. So we are condensing it as much as we can, people. So if there's something that we overlooked... (laughs) Yeah, if there's something we overlooked on the soundtrack... I mean, we covered the score pretty well. But if there's some song you absolutely loved on the soundtrack, feel free to leave a comment in the comment section below for something for us to check out. We'll bring it up in another episode. Sweet. But otherwise, we're really going to cover what we really know about the soundtrack. And with the second yeah. film, I am not knowledgeable of most of the artists on the soundtrack because the score was the bigger highlight for me this that the second time around. And in the third film, oh, I don't think sure. had a, I don't think the third film had a soundtrack. Unless you count the uh jazzy Spider Man scene, which seems to be Leto's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> but we'll be back in one month with Spider-Man 2, the score and the soundtrack, here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. <laughs>